Good morning. This morning's Google Glass enabled morning walk. It's a very pretty morning. Just now starting to get light. It's about 6 a.m. I've put in around 1,200 words on today's episode. I mean, a section of writing. Not really a full episode in itself. In this one, Dizzy is uh, attempting his escape from the uh, Kovacs that everyone is assuming is crashing. I like the idea that everyone, I mean, even the police are assuming that it's crashing. Even though the thing can stand without half of its engines. Um, anyway, so yeah. You got uh, 1,200 words easily. The reason I went for 1,200 today is because <laughs> I ended up taking not a three-day weekend, but a four-day weekend, which you would think massively more word count. But in fact, I got less words than normal. And that's just because, you know, you get used to... Um, You get used to taking it easy. You you separate from the schedule. Oh. Miss Ripley needs a moment. Miss Ripley is joining me today on our walk. I'll admit this was a part of the video I hadn't thought of showing. Keeping the glass up. Anyway, um, so yeah, over the elongated weekend, I had this idea that I was going to get more words than ever done. And in fact, what happened was I got... Heck, yesterday I didn't work any. I didn't get any words done. I was, uh, I was basically moral support for Allie when she went to see this doctor. And that was pretty much my whole day. Um, I mean, we had our uh, writer's uh, evening, a writer's dinner, which is with uh, Miss Paulette. And uh, so that was nice. We had uh, the EP made dinner for us, for everybody. She was very nervous about it. She did a good job. Soup turned out just fine. Um, yeah, so I only had to go see this doctor and she was very nervous about it. And so I was there for moral support. And even then I thought, I'll take my laptop. I will be able to help her out. Yeah, it didn't, didn't really happen. I, I literally got there and fell asleep in the waiting room. Um, I, mean, I didn't try to, obviously, but they said no cell phones. And I had Google Glass. I was kind of wondering if they were going to call me on it, but no one did. And as much fun as Google Glass is, as much potential capability, I mean, 
I get to completely revamp the morning walk with it. So that's cool. But uh, as much potential as there is there, when you're sitting in a uh, waiting room, it's not a whole lot you can do. There's another puppy coming. Oh, I turned off. Anyway, they had magazines, but I'm not really the sitting and reading untargeted stuff type. It's like if you opened up Wikipedia to a random page, many people think, well, I bounce from one page to another in Wikipedia. That's not so bad. That's not quite the same as completely untargeted. When you start getting into the potential usage of the oxygen molecule, or the uh, element, then it gets really dull really fast. You find out that the 1600s weren't nearly as interesting as you'd hoped. I picked that in in reference to 1632, which is a really awesome book that I'm reading now. And disproves my point. I don't know why I'm trying to disprove myself, but there it is. Anyway, um, so yeah, I looked at the magazines, but it's just not tailored to my interests. And uh, that kind of stuff gets dull fast. And I'm the type that if I'm not doing something, my body just basically shuts down. I'd say it's like a shark who has to keep swimming or they die, but I think that's overly romanticizing it. It's more like... Uh, just a second. Yeah, it's about 6.30, 6.26. No worries. Come on, Ripley. Ah. Let's see. That was cute. Watching little Ripley get nervous at him. Don't get me wrong, she gets nervous at everything, but it was cute all the same. Um. Anyway, so yeah. Saying that it's like a uh, shark is way over-dramatizing. More like a very lazy person who has, uh, oh, what's that called? Not OCD, the, uh, the one that they say everybody has these days. The short attention span thing. Anyway. Attention deficit, yeah, ADD. So yeah, it's more like a lazy man with ADD. So yeah, and I had my plan for writing while she was in there. That didn't happen. Just because I didn't bother to go and get the laptop. So I just kind of... Just kind of lost the day for writing. I was playing with Google Glass, went to the dock with Allie, and then we had the writer's dinner, and that was pretty much my entire day. 
I'd stayed home from work because I actually was sick. Ooh, gritty. Still a little bit. Still dragging a bit. But I'm good enough to put in my eight hours, so I'm going on to work. And hey, I got 1,200. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm 2,500 words behind this morning. And so I put in 1,200 this morning. And if I have the willpower tonight, I shall put in another 1,200, 1,250. And then I shall be caught up. I actually got close to the 1,300, but once you start talking about in sub-100 ranges, you're kind of wasting your time. <sighs> so... So yeah, I've been uh, in the story. I'm dealing right now with Dizzy's escape from the Kovacs after an attempted assassination. And here we're going to see the part where Dizzy learns a valuable lesson about people, commoners and whatnot. And now you might think, all right, well, with Dizzy's background, he understands commoners more than most. But the way his life worked, he was about 10 years old before he got off the streets. And uh, at the time, he was being supported by a bunch of grifters. So, he is pretty far out of touch. I mean, when you spend most of your life, like two-thirds of your life, inside of mansions and palaces and whatnot, you start getting a feel for that's the way the world works. You get inured to it. And so even though he thinks of himself as a commoner, he's not really going to be able to hack it. He's going to run into a lot of problems. Chief among them is that he's running into right now is disbelief that people treat commoners this way. It's one thing I like about Dizzy. In one of his first scenes in the Hidden Institute, he said, you call all servants James. That keeps them at a distance. And it helps you provide your job, the nobleman, so that they can do their job as servants. And it all sounds very nice when he says it that way. And he makes it very clear he's nothing against them. And that, of course, set up the tone for his character, although I don't think most people recognized it. Hell, most people didn't care about Dizzy in the first book. He was underplayed, I think. I think I have a tendency to put nuanced characters into a story in such a way that you lose sight of them, because you've got the main character and everything going on around him. And you find yourself 
losing track of all of the sub-characters. Even though they're going through their own issues at the same time. That's something I'm trying to change in the most recent book, The Cutpurse King. I mean, I am telling Dizzy's story, but I'm also telling the stories of those people around him who are dealing with problems completely outside of him. Like when Aster is going to claim the throne. And everybody's basically trying to fight the Atherton house on that one. In and of itself, not really a necessary storyline. Hold on, baby. Stop. Ah. I'll just tie my shoes. So this is kind of cool, recording on the Google Glass. I'm hoping the audio is good. In my preliminary tests, the audio worked pretty well. And I should be able to uh, strip it out without much difficulty. So if I'm lucky, I can have a good clean signal for the first time on this show. And that'll be nice. So, yesterday, and I apologize if I reference things from previous episodes that nobody actually heard, because in my mind we've already talked about it. Whereas in the actual recording, may have gotten completely dropped. I'm really sorry about that. How much of it has gotten dropped. Anyway. um, What was I talking about? In the previous episode, we were talking about Nathan Lowell and uh, the challenge Oh, kitty litter. I totally forgot I was going to tell you the story of kitty litter. Um, this would help if I had the text in front of me, but, uh, in one of the last books of Nathan Lowell's Share series, I don't know if it was the last or the one before it, but, uh, in one of those, he had a subplot 
about the stuff that the uh, ship was carrying. Everybody was worried that they had this highly valuable cargo. And uh, Nathan made it worse by saying they had pirates. And so there was the uh, theory that this highly valuable cargo might actually be people. That he had masked the mass to make it appear as dead weight. Greased a few palms at the dock, that kind of thing. Or else something incredibly explosive could be dangerous to the ship. It was pretty clear that whatever it was, he was building up a subplot. And he was taking all possible suggestions. He was listening to all the ideas. He had this scary cargo that they had to get there. If it got to where it was going on time, they were in for a big bonus. And they were rushing against the clock. And it was very uh, tense. And my wife was one of the people who was talking to him about what it could possibly be, making all these suggestions. And in the end, what Nathan went with was Fuller's Earth. I think that's what it's called. Uh, Dirt. Actually, kitty litter. Turned out that the cargo was nothing more than kitty litter, a red herring, a subplot, a MacGuffin. And uh, the basic idea was the story is not about the plot. The plot drives the character development. And Nathan recognized this and he used it. He created basically Chekhov's cargo. Made it so that everybody thought it was going to go off. What you see, babe? Suddenly, Miss Ripley stops dead. Alert to something only dogs can hear. Dun dun dun! Anyway. So, <clears throat> my wife hated that. Absolutely hated it. You're going to tease us with this and then just drop it? How can you do that? What are you seeing, huh? Come on. So, Allie got all mad at him. And, uh, Honestly, I picture Nathan giggling to himself while people say, seriously, kitty litter? Because basically Nathan's got nothing to prove. He's not playing for a uh, specific plot. He's writing about a bunch of characters and their uh, 
adventures. And it's not about the adventures themselves. It's about how the characters react to it. How they grow as a family. As a crew. And so... He, uh... He tells a very different type of story. And I can hardly criticize it because... He sells a lot better than I do. Uh, where are we? Distance, one mile already. Okay, cool. Back we go. Since I'm not working off of the headphones anymore, since I'm now using Google Glass, the robot lady can't tell me when I've gone a mile. So I gotta keep my eye on it. Or just remember where I was when I was at about a mile. So I'll just remember when I get to the courts, I need to turn around. I can see my breath. I don't think it shows up in the video, but I can see my breath. Yeah, wasn't I clever? Starting to do the morning walk in November. Brilliant. Maryland in November is the best time to start an early morning exercise. It's about 27 degrees now, or it was when we first started this trip. As you can see, if you're on the video, it is getting brighter, and it is lovely. We're at 22 minutes into the walk, and the recorder is showing no sign of stopping. I'd be willing to bet this is a massive battery drain. I don't know if I told you guys, okay, um, what I'm doing right now with Google Glass is that I have it recording a video. Then when I get home, I'm gonna take the video, download it to my system, strip out the audio using QuickTime, and then throw that into uh, Auphonic and have them create the MP3, which should go right into the FTP server and be all set. It's a nice system. I hope it works. <laughs> I ran some tests yesterday. It seemed to do okay. And I'm honestly hopeful that the audio is going to be much improved. I feel bad for people who were listening to that because I listen to it and it's painful. Most of what I was saying was lost. I mean, the actual point of what I was saying was lost. And let's face it, there's not a lot of point to what I'm saying. Uh, so, yeah. I gotta get my 1200 words done today. 1250. I gotta get laundry done. 
I'm down to one last good looking shirt. I've got to get uh, the audio for chapter 10 edited and put up there. I don't think I'm going to be putting the text up anymore. I've got nine episodes, nine chapters already placed. And I think that what with pre-order, I'm just going to finish out the rest of the podcast. Maybe not even post the rest of the podcast. I'm not sure. No, no, I should do it. Because in Tumblr, sorry, I'm thinking about the business. The whole time I've been uh, posting chapters of Invito Rex, I always recommend that people leave comments or donations or something. And I know for a fact that people are reading along. But no comments, no ratings, no donations, none of that. So I'm thinking what I'm selling is the ebook at the end, not the audiobook. So I can go on and finish up the audiobook and be fine. And then wait until the ebook comes out before I post the text from the rest. Maybe give that a month. My initial thought was if you had to click through each page to get all of the text, why buy the ebook? But the uh, more I think about it, more I think the text and audio are going to be completely different. I posted the audio for Tumblr, I think I posted the audio for Tumblr a long time before. I posted the ebook. And it was my bestseller. So you use the ebook as a way of bringing in listeners and readers. Then you give, some, give them something to buy. And then they're interested. But the people who are just there to read, possibly for free, are more likely to read the free web page than they are to buy it. That's my guess. So much of ebook marketing is guesswork. Anyway, so. I can't feel too bad about it either, because as teasers go, 
9 out of 15 chapters is not bad. And there are going to be about 15 chapters. <coughs> 104,000 words. It's kind of a shame because chapter 10 is awesome. Chapter 10 of Invito Rex is kind of where Dizzy figures out what he wants to do. Finally comes to term with who he is and what he's doing. Finally decides, I'm not going to be like those other guys. I've learned how to do this job, but I'm not going to do this job the way they did. Starts becoming more like the Dizzy I always pictured. The Peter Pan. The boy who never grew up. And that should be cool. School bus. So, anyway. So yeah, gotta do laundry, gotta do the writing, gotta do the editing. Ripley thinks the school bus is coming for us. Today's Wednesday, so we'll probably be watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But that's about all the plans I have for tonight. And I'm sure that instead of doing the writing and the editing, I'm going to end up playing Dishonored. Because it is awesome. If you haven't played it yet, Dishonored is the next step in the roguelike games, like Thief, sneaking games. I understand that they make it possible for you to play as the Barbarian, just running through from goal to goal. Haven't tried that. At first, I tried to be sneaky and failed miserably at it. And so two chapters in, I started the game over again. Got better at playing stealth. When I feel like it's possible, I enjoy playing the stealth characters. I mean, it's one thing to say, I took out an entire company of men barehanded. It's another thing entirely to say, I stole all their money and none of them knew I was there. That's kind of cool. I've noticed, however, in that game, Dishonored, they have non-lethal goals, which is cool. Because, you know, like, you have an assassination target, but there's a way that you can do the assassination that doesn't kill them. And you think, hey, that's awesome. I'm totally going to do that. But then the non-lethal system that they choose is something like 
But you're supposed to kill these two guys. Somebody says, tell you what, if you do this job for me, I'll make sure that the two of them are taken somewhere else non-lethal. Nobody gets killed. And you think, brilliant. Totally doing that. Then you do the job for him, and he says, no worries. I took those two guys, and it turns out they own a mine where they keep a lot of slaves. So I cut out their tongues, and I put them to work. They'll never be a problem again. And I thought, oh, I'm not entirely sure that's better than killing them. I'm kind of a jerk. And then you get another one, you're supposed to kill this noble woman. But it turns out there's a guy who really likes her. So he will let you, I mean, he will take her off your hands if you can just knock her out and bring her over to him. So all you have to do is knock out the woman, bring her to the guy, and then he takes her far, far away to teach her how to love him. And you're thinking, oh, once again, I'm not sure this is better than killing her. So I just started getting the low battery warning. Turns out that recording for 30 minutes straight is a little bit pushy on Google Glass. Don't know if I'm gonna make it the whole way. If we get split up, know only that I will find you. Whatever may occur, I will find you on tomorrow's podcast. It's not so bad. Coming up on the home block anyway. And honestly, if we get 33 minutes of good signal, that's way better than the 40 minutes of absolute horrible crap. So... There's that. (sighs) Much brighter now. Six to seven, man. That's when the sun really comes out. (sighs) So, I was thinking about that cross-promotion thing with Nathan, and I said, what if I asked him a question? that he had to, like, answer. And it occurred to me, I could pass the same thing on to you. Have you got any questions that I could answer? Ask me anything, even though we're not on Reddit. That's the wrong glove. Um, yeah. Want to ask me about game programming? Want to ask me about writing? Podcasting, audiobooks, Amazon, KDP, KDP Direct, whatever. You can email any questions to brandg at gmail.com. That's B R A N D G. And that'll find me. I think I've hit that point. 
Nathan was talking about on his morning walk that I was doing this and that I was a chatterbox because when he started he was a chatterbox and if you listen to a show now there'll be some long sections of silence and that's cool I mean honestly when I listen to his uh, show I'm usually at work and it's nice it's nice listening to a show even if he's not talking because you get the feeling like kind of like you're there you're doing something you're moving forward it's weird but I know I'm not the only one I mean there are lots of people who listen to a show lots of people that if he gets the file name wrong or forgets a day they go absolutely mental So, Robo Lady just said from my butt pocket that we are doing a split difference of 17 minutes per mile, which is better than I normally do, and that we just reached two miles, which is good because we're coming up on the house now. Anyway. So yeah, Nathan says you start off as a chatterbox and as you go on you find yourself saying, what am I going to talk about? And I remember thinking, no, I'm the type who can come up with anything. I'm the type who can always have something to say. At the same time, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, let's not discount the counsel of those who've been there. So... I don't think anybody's surprised to find out I was wrong about that. Okay. I'm very rural. Stepping out on your porch to chat with a neighbor. Practically Norman Rockwell. Alright. And here we are at the house. Thank you all for coming with me. I'm sure Miss Ripley thanks you. Ripley, sit. Good girl. Ripley? Ripley? There we go. 